1: Welcome to Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates, a post Talladega special. I am struggling. I've, I learned this weekend that uh, I am getting older. Uh, it's been a long, long two days trying to get back, and I uh, didn't get back till late last night. But just having a blast at Talladega. Got to see a lot of uh, a lot of coaching buddies, a lot of former Home Visit uh, guests. Uh, but hey, just want to say a really uh, big thank you. Had a great weekend. Uh, Cooper Chevrolet, awesome as always, uh, got us hooked up, took care of us with tickets and sweet, uh, sweet passes to the suites uh, for Saturday and Sunday. Just great relationship with those guys there. Uh, make sure you go check those guys out, Cooper Chevrolet and Aniston, and then the Aniston Country Club. They had a busy week. Uh, we had uh, we played golf all day on Friday, and then turned around and played again Saturday morning with some coaches. A lot of drivers and crews uh, showed up and played as well. On Thursday, saw A.J. Allmendinger and Ty Dillon playing on uh, Friday and Saturday. And then also just the, the, the Speedway staff there at Talladega. They do such a great job, uh, relationship with those guys. They took care of us uh, with our parking passes and getting us around in and out so we didn't have to stay in lines. Uh, and the traffic just it really is a big – it's probably the most important relationship we got of anybody. Uh, but they do such a great job. Uh, there with the staff, taking care of everybody there. If you've never been, I know we talked about it briefly. If you've never been, it's an event. If you've ever been to the Kentucky Derby, it's probably very similar. Uh, Saturday is the day. Uh, everybody thinks it's about the race. It's not necessarily about the race. But uh, the Riley Green concert that night was awesome. Um, he's there from Jack local guy from Jacksonville, Alabama. Um, but just a really good new country music store had the concert. And then Speedway Boulevard is an event in itself. It's uh it's uh, the South version of Bourbon Street. It's very uh, interesting, and you're going to see just about anything you want to do. But it's been a long night, and I'm glad, I'm glad Monster takes care of us. It's been a three-Monster day today, uh, getting right off three hours of sleep, uh, cranking it up today. So back to work, back to the grind, and uh, back to getting our uh, software out there at all these colleges. Today I want to talk a little bit about, I uh, was asked about it last week by a buddy of mine, and I was like, you know what, we really haven't talked about it. You know, there's a lot of coaches, which we've talked about briefly, about they're getting out. Younger coaches are getting out. And I want to talk about the time constraints and give you kind of basically a day in the life and tell you a little bit about the time schedule that coaches actually have so the fans can get a better appreciation of why everybody's getting burnt out. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the portal. You know, we used to have our segment as the transfer portal turns. Well, Sunday, May the 1st is the deadline this coming up week. And so we're going to talk about the active portal week coming ahead. A little bit about NIL. I mean, NIL has turned into like the hot topic. I, I don't know. With everything that's going on, it feels like you can talk about NIL every single week, and it's just getting something different every week. So we'll we'll spend a little bit of time on NIL, and then just a little bit about the time about the draft. Uh, I know we talked a bunch about it last week, so you could have it to talk about it during the week, but then Thursday night. Uh, Updates and where things stand going into Thursday night. You already know about the players. We're not going to discuss all those, but small scenarios there. Then we're going to get you out of here. So sit back and relax. Enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the time constraints and why coaches are getting out. I want the fans to understand kind of where the schedule is and and why coaches get burnt out uh, so easily. So Let's start the year just us say August the 1st. That's when guys report for fall camp. So you're looking, every college football coach from August the 1st until December the 1st or right around there that first week of December, it's seven days a week. There are no off days. Seven days a week. And from Sunday to Thursday, every, every coach in America is working 12 to 14 hours and some more. Now, I know there's some that get away with a little less, but you know Sunday you have to come in early in the morning, grade your film, have it ready to go for a staff meeting. And then you have practice, and then you're getting ready for the next game. So, I mean, you're looking at 12 to 14 hour days every single day from Sunday through Thursday. So, you're looking at already putting in a 60 or 70 hour work week from Sunday to Thursday. Now, Friday can differ a little bit during the season based on if you're at home or you're traveling, uh, but it's not a it's not a light day. Um, if you if there a lot of times the home games are worse because. You're you're in the office at 738 at some places. Now I've been with staffs where you didn't have to come in until noon on Friday, but I've also been on staffs that we had to be there at 730. So it varies on you know staff to staff, but you know, I've been at one place where Friday was the longest day of the week. where we'd get in there at 730, wouldn't get out till ten thirty, eleven. So even though it was the day before the game. And so you're putting in another eight to I would say eight to twelve, even up to fourteen hour day, you know, probably eight at the minimum on Friday, depending on travel. And then Saturday, depending on what time kickoff is, can be a really long day. You know, if you're playing a late game, it's really long. But you're looking at a nine- or ten-hour day on Saturday, too, on game day, So, and you just restart it. So every day you're looking at these, you know, 100-hour work weeks or even longer, and there's only 144 hours during the course of a week. And so that's a ton. Now, once the season's over with, we have two weeks of recruiting. And so you're tired. You've been on this grind. Now you're going out of town for five days, going to recruit kids and on the roads, staying in hotels. And that's something you want to do on the front end, being fresh, not on the back end, being tired. But that is what it is. Uh, If you go, if you're fortunate enough to be in a bowl game, once you get back, now you're back into the game routine, getting ready for the bowl game. Uh, I guess in extreme cases, uh, you know, when I was at Alabama, we were in a college football playoff. We practiced all the way up until noon. We got off at noon on the 23rd at off Christmas Eve and, and, you know, Christmas Day night, I guess, you're back at work again. So you get about a day and a half off right there for Christmas to spend with your family, and then you're back at it again going. um, Once that's over, you get back and you start January recruiting. So it never stops. And so you go all the way – bowl season leads all the way up until Sunday in February, and then you get just a little bit of break. And what I mean by break is you get to have normal hours in February. To where you go to work a normal time and you come home a normal time but you're getting ready at work you're preparing for spring practice and so there's a lot of times and if you're on a new staff you got a lot of other things you got to do so you may actually spend you know I actually uh I did not visit I saw got to see Rich Rod this weekend and visit with him play golf with him on Friday didn't talk to him about this but you know new staffs will spend you know a little bit more time than normal in February getting used to things and talking schematics and things that you're going to be doing with each other in February. So you can have a little bit more time there as well. But then March starts and it's not dead, dead period anymore. And here come all the recruits. And so your junior days and all your events and and spring practice. And so March is now a grind. April is a grind. And then April 15th, spring recruiting starts. So you get 168 days. So it's not unusual to be gone for four weeks during the spring, like away from your family, Um, going and recruiting kids for four weeks, You know, most staffs, which we'll talk about here in a second, are starting this week uh, going through the end of May. And then June is the camp season. You got camps every day and visits every day. June is such a grind now because if you don't have a camp, you have visits and you have more visits and the portal visits and all this stuff. And it just gets insane to where you have no time off in June either. And so the best thing that they ever did was make a July dead period. And that's probably the, the deadest of dead during the time for the coaches. They get the last week of June up through the basically the third week of July that it's dead. That's when all your vacations are going to take place and the, and the good coaches will kick you out and not let you back in. So you get a little time there to recharge your batteries, but you start all over. And I think that I, I tell you all that to tell you this is now you're adding the transfer portal, you're adding NIL into all that. And so the intensity of the time that you're working it's insane. So you're working one hundred hour work weeks all the way around the clock. And I think where people get burned out is if you count the you know July dead period when you got you know significant off time, you end up looking in, in the normal college football coach probably works three hundred and forty days like at work three hundred and forty days of three sixty five a year if not more, and the normal worker is getting those Saturdays and Sundays off. And you never have time to recharge your batteries, and it just beats you down over a long period of time. And I think with adding the more uh, time that's needed for these coaches with the portal and with NIL and things, you know, I think that's really hindering. It's just beating people down to the point to where I think we finally find found a breaking point with college coaches. So hopefully, they do more with dead periods and time frames with a portal to kind of keep recruiting where it was. Um, Recruiting is something that's um from a coach's perspective was already tiring but it was it was kind of limited in that december um you know december january period and then the spring period but now it's going around the clock so hopefully we'll get that taken care of and keep some good coaches in the game because right now we got a lot of really quality people a lot of really quality coaches that are getting out of the game because they just it's not worth it you don't have time to spend with your family and uh it's it's taking tolls on you know personal lives outside of Uh, football. All right, so this next Sunday, May the 1st, is the deadline for all players to be entered into the portal so they will be immediately eligible for next year. So they kind of use this May 1st as like the deadline for this academic year of becoming immediately eligible. Now, you can still go in the portal, okay, later, but it will affect your immediate eligibility. All right. Now, if you're already in the portal, you can be signed anywhere, but you just have to be in the portal by this Sunday. Um, And so this week, okay, is going to be the craziest week of the spring for the portal, because a lot of teams were ending their spring games either this past week or the week before that. And there's been meetings with head coaches and guys are moving on, getting processed, whatever you want to call it. And. They're looking for different schools. You got players that have realized they've gone through the spring and they're not going to be the starter or whatever it is, and they come in and see the head coach and they're going in the portal. And so, at least from a college roster standpoint, you kind of you're going to kind of know by May by this week who's decided to stay and who's decided to go because if they're going to go, they're going to go now so they can be eligible. So it kind of gives you kind of a, a clear understanding of where your roster stands before you start adding on. Uh, later on in this month, getting ready for spring for summer uh, workouts, and then the fall, coaches will be constantly adding, which makes May crazy. Um, and I bring that into spring recruiting. First time ever, uh, I know this is going on because I've talked to some guys. You're going to have guys go in the portal, and now these coaches are going to have to go and see the high school coaches during spring recruiting. So it's considered a an evaluation period. They can go do that, but they're kind of go- they can't see the kids right now. But they can go to the high school and talk to the head the high school coach and do that due diligence. And so there's a lot of programs that are going to be going to these high schools that they don't have a high school player that they want to see. They want to talk to the coach about the guy that's in the portal. So it's it's a whole new dynamic to spring recruiting, um, which you know most schools are out this week. If you're not out this week, they'll definitely be out next week because May the 1st is also coincidentally with most states start spring practice. And so the next, you know, really for the next three to four weeks um, leading up into June, uh, you're going to be, it's going to be, you know, nuts with coaches on the road. First time, like I said, in three years. And that's going on and the tampering is added to it. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, how the portal affects spring recruiting and your and your strategy on where you go logistically and where you spend your time. So I know that's going on. So, That'll be a fun time and a fun period for all uh, high school coaches. They're going to be wore out by the end of this deal. Because not only do they have to deal with their own kids, they got to now deal with the kids that are in the past. What is a home visit episode without talking about NIL? It I mean, It's like something every week. Um, one, because it's new and it's different. Uh, two, because of everything that's going on in NIL uh, with money. The big thing this week is uh, John Ruiz, who is the CEO of Life Wallet, which is a basically a digital insurance company, is a massive—not insurance company. It's like a digital uh, medical records, probably the best way to put it. Company has basically taken on it by himself the NIL efforts of the University of Miami. Um, he's helping with the collective, obviously, but he is full tilt. And there was a lot of uh, so let's call them sour grapes on Twitter. About you know he made an announcement about some big time basketball transfer that's coming in, um, and it made some people mad and they go after him. But what are we mad for? I mean, I, I tip my hat to this guy. I mean, he's he's putting his money where his mouth is, and he wants them to be good. He's graduated from Miami, has been a Miami fan the whole time, has uh, got more money than he can spend, and he wants to spend it on Miami. You know the resources uh, that they have there and that they're they're bringing to Miami now. I mean, this guy's single-handedly building a stadium for Miami. So when you can build a stadium and do NIL, you got enough money to go around. Um, I don't know his net worth, but it's definitely worth something. But I'm just going to tell everybody there better be a heads up because Mario can recruit, and we've established that on here. He's one of the best recruiters I've ever been around, and now he's got the money to go get it. He will go get players at the University of Miami. It will not take them long, and he's getting them at a high rate. But Look, the guy, the guy. you know, people, there's a lot of fans that are going to be upset about, hey, we got this guy. We're not getting this guy. I mean, donate. I mean, if there's, if you want, if they want to do something about it, let's start a GoFundMe. I don't know. But it's so, it's changed like the dynamics of everything that now, can you really complain that you're not getting a guy if you don't want to fund, fund it? I, that, that's, the, that's the question I got. I don't know. Uh, there's definitely some schools that are more organized than others. And that have those people. And you got to find a guy that's willing to donate and willing to spend. Um, I went on Neil's podcast, uh, uh, I guess that was Thursday, I think, last Thursday, hand-raised guys, and we were talking about uh, NIL. You know, the thing that's going to be interesting is when, and I think he said it best, and I, I had not heard it um, said that before, but he said it is, you know, if you buy a horse, you don't go to the racetrack to watch him look at him in the stable. You go to watch him run. And when you go and you pay all these money for these recruits, you're going to want to see them play. And what happens when they're not the best player? That's going to create a dynamic that I don't think we've ever seen in college football. Um, It's going to put a lot of pressure on coaches to make sure they're getting the right horse. Um, Because these guys aren't, there's not going to be a 100% pan out rate. It's not going to happen. So when you, and when you purchase the player, he better be good. Well, if anybody on this that's listening here can name ten really good college quarterbacks right now that you know off the top of your head, besides of your school, don't name your school. Name ten other quarterbacks that you think are really good. You're going to realize that there's going to be some bust guys when you talk about recruits and things like that. What's going to happen when they don't pan out? We're going to see. I mean, I think I know what's going to happen. You're going to have coaches getting fired for for buying the wrong guys now too. Uh, but I got to give credit to John Rees, man. I, I'm I'm like. I mean, the guy's putting his money where his mouth is. He's pay, he's giving donating the money. He's getting the players. Go get them. You know, Phil Knight can do the same thing in Oregon. Tim Cook, if he wanted to, could do the same thing at Auburn. He could if he wanted to. He got a $750 million bonus last year. Guarantee you could. Um, that's the CEO of Apple, for those that don't know. You know, there's all kinds of things that can be worked out. Everybody's got these big super donors, but they got to be willing to, you know, spend their money, and that's what they want to spend their money on. And evidently he does. So there's no, you can't hate on the guy. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. You know, they created the rules. He's found a way to uh, fudge the rules. And by doing that, he's going to get a lot of great players from Miami because uh, Mario doesn't need any help recruiting. And now he's got it. And it's going to be dangerous. They got great coaches. My man Kevin Steele down there is one of the best evaluators in the business. Uh, great defensive mind. I'm excited to see what they do. I don't know how long it's going to take them to get it turned around. But it's not going to take them as long as you think because they got a quarterback on campus that can play. That's probably one of the top five quarterbacks coming back, uh, arguably uh, probably third in my mind, just arguably, but definitely top five coming back in the country. So when you got a good quarterback and you can surround him with talent like that immediately, uh, look out because the Canes are coming. It won't take long. All right, we're going to wrap this thing up with the NFL draft. Uh, I know we talked a ton last week about players, certain players going here, certain players going there. You know, Here we are, we're sitting here basically three days away from it, and I'm actually excited about watching the draft because I don't know what's going to happen. I I was able since our last podcast up, you know, through the weekend, uh, wink, wink, I got a chance to talk to some um, NFL guys, and the thing that I found probably the most interesting talking to them is you got a lot of teams that have guys that are first-round, like first-round grades on guys, and the next team may have a third-round grade on the same guy. I don't know if just talking to my buddies that are in the personnel world of the NFL, I don't know if I've ever seen as much separation. And I'm talking about really good players that you're considering, you know, first round picks. I don't know if I've seen as much separation because, you know, usually it's especially with first round guys, it's a high one, low, you know, low one or, a, you know, a, a mid one, low two. I mean, it's a very tight knit spread of where these guys are at this late in the process. I just don't know if I've ever seen it so wide. Uh, there's nobody that's really got a consensus number one. Everybody I talk to in the business agrees that Jackson will probably needs to go uh, offensive line with number one, but that's not a guarantee. Um, there's a lot of talk, obviously, about Aiden Hutchinson. There's a lot of talk about uh, the kids in Georgia. There's there's players everywhere. Uh, but the first, I mean, there's really just not a consensus one and really not a top ten. That's going to be all over the place. So I'm, I'm probably more interested to see what happens and where it starts is going to kind of tell you where it's going to go. Uh, and then my next interesting thing is with the Jets and the Giants having so many picks up front, um, especially with the Jets with Zach Wilson. Do they go O-line heavy and try to protect him? Do they get him weapons or do they go on the other side of the ball with a defensive-minded head coach? The Jets will be interesting to me. But when you got that many draft picks up up close, I think you can do some things and really change your team. Uh, going forward quarterback will be interesting to me um, just like everybody else who gets to pick first I think you know with all the talking again I'm not gonna sit here and tell you my opinion I've told you for about 10 weeks in a row but probably Malik Willis will probably I imagine would be the first one off the board with all the talk Uh, but where is where does that happen like where does the quarterback run start that's gonna be interesting to me because I think if you get somebody jumps up and takes a quarterback early That's going to cause teams that need quarterbacks, and they're sitting back there 10, 11 picks back. They're going to try to start trading uh, draft picks early, try to move up in the middle of a round. Uh, So that whole thing is a big interest to me, and I think it's going to be spurred on when the first quarterback is taken. So watch out for that. And then we're sitting here, and that's Monday afternoon when we're taping. I actually checked Twitter just in case before we started taping. But Baker Mayfield is going to be a wild card uh, where he gets taken. Um and where he goes, I mean where he where he gets uh, does, where does he go? There was a lot of talk about the Panthers going ahead and trading for him. They haven't yet, so they're going to wait to the draft day. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but Baker Mayfield is this wild card out there that that one of the teams, if they don't, you know, instead of trading up, can go ahead and trade for Baker Mayfield to prevent from having to do things like that because you could probably trade for Baker cheaper than you could move draft picks. As crazy as that sounds. Uh, so that's gonna be a he's kind of sitting out there and then you got jimmy g and this debo samuel drama out in uh, san francisco if he stays or he or if he goes so we'll check on that um if you're going to trade draft picks and trade back this is the year because there's no consensus one um if you don't like where you're at or you got very few guys and they get taken i think it's the year to trade out because i think there's just not a lot of separation especially if you're wanting to get a wide receiver if that's your need and you're early there's plenty of them you know uh, offensive line wise I mean there's a lot of first round guys so that run can make things interesting too but I think it's going to be exciting I can't wait to watch I, I, I'm actually interested in it usually I watch the first five or six picks and turn it off but I'm kind of curious to see what happens I'll probably watch the whole thing I imagine on Thursday uh, then Friday the second round I, I watch a little bit until so a couple of my guys that I know uh, probably get picked and I'll, then I'll turn it off and go but Uh, make sure you enjoy that Um, make sure you subscribe to home visit Siski on twitter check us out on youtube or our youtube page uh, home visit uh, with tyler Siski on youtube leave us our three-star review because you know we love it so much and when you get tired like me at three o'clock make sure you get your sugar-free monster it's good stuff get you going for the second half of your day and until next time take care